Hi, everybody. It's Al Condalusi um, from the Interdependence Network, and you're tuned in to You Can Call Me Al podcast. It's a podcast we do on a regular basis where we examine and explore interesting new issues and approaches to changing community. And um, I have the great pleasure to be with um, some folks who are known as the book group. And these are all folks that are associated with a wonderful organization in, uh, in the Vancouver area called Inclusion Langley. And the, the um, book group uh, is, are, are, are four um, you know, focused professionals in human service who kind of came together around um, one person that they supported. Her name is Susie Bailey. And um, they're going to tell you a little bit more about Susie, but the, the, the ultimate um, conclusion that the book group came up with is an overview of the transformation in Susie's life as she got more involved in the community. Uh, I had the pleasure of reading the manuscript and, and having an opportunity to share um, you know, some thoughts uh, on, the, um, on the book and do an endorsement of the book. The book is called I'm the Bob and Kathy's Kid. Emotion, Love, and Fury is the subtitle. It's published by Friesen Press out of Victoria, British Columbia. And we'll get a little bit more into the book, but want to do just a an initial uh, introduction of, of my guests, and then an opportunity to talk about um, this, this book and this amazing woman, Susie Bailey. So with me is Jane Ann Huff, um, Betty Ann Batt, Sylvia Dung, and Aga Karst. And uh, there's also one other member of the, of the book group that's not with us today, but was a really vital part. And that was, Daga, who was that, doctor? That was Dr. Trevor Hurwitz, uh, who is the head of neuropsychiatric unit at University of British Columbia. W wonderful. And I know uh, Dr. Hurwitz and, and the in incredible work that he's been doing. He wasn't able to join us today, but we're really fortunate to have Jane Ann, Betty Ann, Sylvia, and Aga. So let me, let's start right at the beginning. Um, Who's able to tell us a little bit about Susie Bailey and how she became the target for, for this book, for this effort that the book group worked on? Well, I think I'll jump in. That's uh, Betty Ann. Okay. Thank you. I will jump in as, as Susie um, was in hospital and needed to be discharged. And at that point... Her parents were um, unable uh, at that time to be able to bring her home without some adequate help. And so the social worker at the hospital contacted her, her um, local social worker in Langley who contacted our executive director and that brought me into the picture and that began the planning process of how we could help this family care for their daughter with help 
um, and still look after all of Susie's rehab um, needs after the surgeries that yeah. she had had. Very challenging rehab it, needs, too. Correct? Yes, yeah. absolutely it was. Yeah. And so at that point in time, um, we were very, very fortunate um, to be able to find a house that we could rent. Um, and in fact, the parents found the house, so we knew that it was um, suitable. Mm -hmm. And that is when we started the process. Mm -hmm. And my role then moved to one of facilitating um, and at being the administrative support to the staff team. Mm -hmm. And they are actually the ones who get all the credit for oh. all the successes over yeah. that, over those years. Yeah, excellent, excellent. You know, um, Susie's... Um, Susie's involvement in the community um, was a challenging task for Inclusion BC and for her family. Um, who, could who might be able to tell us a little bit more about, about you know, Susie's profile, about what, um, you know, what some of, the, some of the gifts and potentials were and what some of the challenges were? I'll answer that. Yeah. Okay, Sylvia? Sylvia, yeah. Um, when I first started with Susie, Mike, our goal was to, how are we going to get this girl into the community? Mm -hmm. She had such a severe behaviors. Yeah. Challenging were staff to work with her, Yeah. right? We had staff meetings every week, mm. right? And I never thought we'd ever get this far, Wow. right? Mm. Uh, so the first time I ever took Susie out mm -hmm. was to a cemetery. Hmm because there was nobody uh, there, uh, right? And she could scream and yeah, roar and shout and yeah, whatever. Yeah. Huh. Right? So that was the first challenge. Wow. That really paints the picture. That's of, right. That's uh, right. Yeah. People were, we were, as staff, we were terrified mm -hmm. to take her out. And, and, and Sylvia, when was this? When, when did Susie first you know, come? When did Inclusion Langley first um, begin to support Susie and her family? She was about 10 years old. Yeah, about right, two yeah. months before she turned 10. Yeah, that's okay, when I started 10. to work with her. Okay. Right. And Susie today uh, is? She still has some behaviors, mm -hmm. right? And her age is? Her age is 37. 37. 37. Okay. Right. So it's been 27 years yes. of support yes. from inclusion uh, Langley yes. with the, yes. her family. Yeah. And still today, staff plays a big role in her life mm -hmm. in that um, you need to know Susie terribly, very, very well, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And when you walk in the door to her house, you have to come in in Susie mode. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, be right? prepared. I, I remember prepared. Yeah. reading that um, in, right. in the manuscript in terms That's of right. how the staff really had to be fortified yeah. in the early years of support with, um, with Susie. Jane Ann, yes. what, tell me a little bit about your, um, your perspective in this and your involvement in it. Well, when I first met Susie, she had just had her fifth neurosurgery at the wow. age of 10. She had had a disconnection of the right hemisphere, so that part of her brain was no longer functioning. Mm. She became disabled on her left side. So not only did she have these extreme... Uh, neurosurgeries, but she was uh, suddenly disabled. She couldn't right. do things. She couldn't walk. She couldn't, you know, use mm -hmm. her left hand. Mm -hmm. She couldn't do things. So that's what Sunny Hill was doing. They were doing rehab that way. Uh, Sunny Hill is a, a rehab facility rehab here in, in Vancouver. Uh, Vancouver area. Yes. Yeah. 
and they wanted her pretty quickly out because Susie was uh, very, very behaviorally disordered. She'd walk through uh, down the hall and she would take everything off the nursing station desk just yeah. as she walked by. Yeah. You know, mm. she would throw, she would, because uh, as Dr. Hurwitz, we knew that Dr. Hurwitz really helped us understand better. She had nothing to stop her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That part of her brain was gone. Right. She doesn't have yeah. anything. Her frontal yeah. lobe. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So we had to be her, um, her cues, mm -hmm. her help. And Sylvia and I in particular, I think, did some very off-the-wall things, mm -hmm. you know, because mm -hmm. <laughs> Susie was different. Mm -hmm. um, when you had to think out of the box, right? Exactly. When school was tried, she... Uh, she could do 20 minutes in the cloakroom because mm. she could attack anybody at any time. Mm. And other kids had to be safe, yeah. you know? And I did some homeschooling right. with her. And um, we finally were able to get her into Gateway mm. um, in Ladner, mm -hmm. and then subsequently into Delta Senior Secondary yeah. into yeah. the... Um, One of the things that was fascinating to me um, when I had a chance to read the manuscript and learn, uh, learn of this effort, was that Susie Bailey is the kind of person that organizations give up on. And uh, or they throw their hands up and say, there's just nothing we can do. Representing really one of the greatest challenges for community. People, people say, gee, you know, folks like Susie just aren't appropriate for the community. They're, they're not going to make it in the community. And Part of the Interdependence Network um, hosting this podcast today um, is, is really about alternative approaches. And so when I had a chance to read that manuscript and learn of the, of the creative things that, that, that this team and, and, of course, others, your colleagues, mm -hmm. did with Susie, I was just so encouraged by that because... You know, one of the things we talk a lot about is micro and macro change, right? Micro change is when we try to change Susie so she behaves more appropriately. But as you just articulated, Susie's capacity uh, to behave differently than she did was actually wasn't on the table. It wasn't an option, right? right. So the change that really had to happen was in a macro way, how can we get the community to really begin to uh, accept Susie as she is and really begin to just incorporate her as, as, as she moves through that? Aga, can you talk a little bit about that as it relates to your perspective uh, on this with Susie and her involvement in the greater community? Mm -hmm. So initially, of course, the focus of the team was on the micro change yes. to yes. help Susie right. develop of behavior course. that is socially acceptable. And it started with um, staff noticing Susie's gifts and mm -hmm. her heart mm -hmm. and that she did not really want to hurt anyone mm -hmm. or be that way. Her desire has always been to help people mm -hmm. around her. Yes. And well, as the ladies noticed that, they started developing strategies mm -hmm to help her help others. Mm -hmm. And that helps Susie be a happier person yeah. and um, yeah, reach yeah. out to people. Right, right. And, and those experiences really do change behavior. You know, if somebody is happier, if they really feel that they're more respected, that, they're, that they matter, mm -hmm. um, their behavior 
begins to reflect that. And, uh, and, but that's a macro sort of thing, is to look for those gifts and find them amidst all this other challenging stuff mm-hmm. that was going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then as Susie was ready to start entering the community, um, the ladies looked for opportunities for her, and one of the opportunities that presented was uh, helping at the library at the local school. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for the macro change, the approach was to go into the school and prepare all staff, train them to how to interact with Susie when she comes in. And all the teachers, all the teacher's assistants, the librarian, uh, were ready when Susie came in to respond to her the way she needed to yeah, people to yeah. respond. That's classic macro change, where we really adjust things around the person so that the person really fits in. If you're just joining the podcast, I'm, I'm with Jane Ann Huff, and Betty Ann Batt, Sylvia Doan, and Aga Karst, who are... Um, members of what's called the book group that uh, uh, from their work at Inclusion um, Langley um, supported a woman by the name of Susie Bailey and still do and they chronicled this amazing effort in a book called I'm the Bob and Kathy's Kid Emotion, Love and Fury it's available through Friesen Press in Victoria, B.C., and it's really well worth the read. I, I, was, uh, I was so energized when I had an opportunity to read this book and to, uh, to see and discover the process that this team and others, other of their colleagues, went through to assure that Susie Bailey had the opportunity to engage in community. Um, you know, when you talk, Aga, about the library. I was, I'm, I'm, I'm really attuned to that because I, 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 I've been really interested recently in uh, what they call social infrastructure, right? And social infrastructure are the places in our community that can host or accept someone who might be different. And uh, this book I'm reading about social infrastructure is called Palaces for the People. And um, one of the things that the author talks about is libraries and how, how libraries are really changing to become community assets, uh, places where people can go where they might not be welcomed in other, anywhere else. And um, so the, the notion of Susie's involvement with the library and the work that this team did, and others, to really prepare the library staff to be able to engage with, um, with uh, Susie is, uh, is just a classic example of, uh, of macro change. So tell me a little bit more. You know, so Susie gets involved in the library. The, the staff there adjust. Uh, Susie feels welcomed. She feels respected. Um, how did that begin to manifest in terms of other things that began to happen in Susie's life? Well, I'd like to start by saying that um, our biggest, biggest challenge uh, when we start working with Susie was keeping staff. Okay. Yeah, Sylvia, this, that issue is really a powerful one because, yes. you know, you get, in, you get into situations like this where you can't see Susie's 
struggle, right? Uh, you can't see it, so she looks like she should be fine. Yes. And because of the, you know, the precondition that she experienced neurologically, yes. um, you know, her behavior just didn't fit how she looked. Yes. And consequently, people want to bail. Yes. Well, how did you handle that, Celia? What? Well, well, it took some time because uh, mm -hmm. uh, I think we all found the people here that um, to work with Susie, you needed to love Susie. Uh -huh. Because um, after a, a day of being kicked and bruised mm -hmm. and hair pulling, mm -hmm. you know, yes. uh, very difficult, mm -hmm. you know, Start to deal with something yeah, like that yeah. without being angry or upset or yeah. whatever, right? Well, and it's also yeah. the other thing, yeah. Sylvia. It's hard mm -hmm. to um, to express love for people in our, mm -hmm. you know, uh, our organizations are often, you know, ones that are objective. We support lots of people, and mm -hmm. and the notion of love mm -hmm. is sometimes doesn't fit into. Yes. Yeah. The agenda of an organization. Yes. So you know, you really had to had to dig deep to well, I, pull yeah. that variable, that emotional variable, onto yeah. the table. Well, I'll tell you, um, Jane Huff and myself, uh, probably in the beginning, mm -hmm. worked day shifts, afternoon shifts, night shifts, mm -hmm. all in a row wow. because mm -hmm. we had no staff, yes. right? And I think that, and I think the love that, yeah. that Jane shared with mm -hmm. Susie and with myself, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, we used to say to staff, and they come on. Please, you cannot come to this house if you don't want to be hugged and kissed. <laughs> that's right. Right? Yeah. Because that's the, way it, that's the way it has to be. If you don't, then you just get to Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I just want to say from that, yeah, I, I would like to reinforce uh, Sylvia's comment about how difficult it was for staff. And always safety for Susie and community and staff was always uh, at the very top of all of our agendas. Mm -hmm. And Jane and Sylvia, in those early years, they um, developed a buddy system hmm. where they would be at the other end of the phone and they would come to work on a moment's notice, day and night, if, an, if a staff was feeling that they were not feeling safe. Mm -hmm. um, I so appreciated that in those mm -hmm. early years. Uh, they would double staff. Mm -hmm. They would... Um, mm -hmm. They would do whatever, what it took. whatever it yeah. took. Yeah. They would uh, meet in the park. Do you mm -hmm. remember those days? Yes. So that they yes. could have a overlap. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just to be able to make those transitions yes. easier. Yeah. Um, and just lots of creative planning mm -hmm. went around making sure that staffs felt supported. So over a period of time, we were able to get a staff team together that that all. Um, um, they were all of the same. Um, we all love Sally. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> was on yes. the same page. Everybody. Yeah, that's a good yeah. way to Everybody. Put it. Yeah. And yeah. that consistency then developed with yeah. Jane and Sylvia mm -hmm. setting the um, mm -hmm. setting the agenda. Jane mm -hmm. uh, for schooling and for the days, and Sylvia mm -hmm. for. Um, for home and community mm -hmm. and everybody else just kind of blending in. And I'm, I am talking about those early days yes. um, when you needed to begin somewhere. Yes. And yeah. they began with that buddy system. Yeah. yeah. There was never a day when Jane and I didn't have another bruise. <laughs> oh, boy, Sylvia. Yeah. I can tell you I went for a visit to the doctor, and uh, he once asked me, Sylvia, why, why are you, where are you getting all those bruises and cut and whatever? Yeah. He thought my husband was. <laughs> oh, boy, oh, boy. Yeah. Genius. Yes. Yeah. yeah. 
But see, that's the, that's the kind of spirit that it takes to find a place for everybody. Yes. Um, and I think from a macro perspective, that's really our role. Um, it, you know, I mean, obviously we don't want people to get hurt. And, no, absolutely and, not. And yeah. that, you know, that's not the agenda. But um, if, if we can't create the backdrop for, for Susie and folks like Susie to be included in community, then that's never going to happen in any other way. I mean, we are the first line here. And that gets me to a, another question. And that is, how did this experience with Susie, over and above, you know, resulting in the book and having an opportunity to teach those of us in the field a little bit more about your perseverance and your hard work and your, you know, your belief in Susie. But how, uh, how do you think um, your experience with Susie actually impacted your organization, Inclusion um, Langley? What, what kinds of things actually maybe set the tone for that, that organization to change? Any thoughts? Well, and I, I don't mean I, to put just, anybody on the spot here. I'm, I'm going to pass this along, but I do remember a time when of all of the clients that um, were supported mm -hmm. uh, by us at that time, Susie had more volunteer jobs mm. than anybody else. Mm. I remember that time. Yeah. Yeah. And that set her apart from everybody yeah. else. Mm. I yeah. think probably this question uh, is not only about how it affected our association, but how it affected um, the community living in uh -huh. BC in general. Yes. Because Susie did not fit, fit a mold. Yes. She could not be placed in a group home right. like everybody else. Yes. Yeah. Um, so she demanded individual approach, right. Right. and it had to be developed. Yes. Yeah. And, There's um, no playbook. I mean, you yeah. had a you had to make it up as you go. I mean, you trial and error. Um, uh, and it was expensive. Yes. Yes. Because she needed one-on-one -on -one staff. Yes. Around the clock. Yes. Uh, sometimes two to one. Yes. Staff, two staff to one person. That's really a powerful point, Aga, because um, you know the, the 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 trends are today in Canada, in the United States, in you know other. In Australia, my, my friends and colleagues there are telling me that a conservative sort of an approach is to is to not um, to, to start cutting uh, spending uh, on people. Um, and you know, your point is without an investment, sometimes one on one, sometimes two on one, to support Susie, she could have never gotten to where she's at today. And and let me ask that. Where is, she, where is Susie today? Um, what, you know, what's happening with her today after this 20-year odyssey of, of you know, supporting her, finding the ways that we could uh, better serve her in the community, allowing her to become herself? What, what's happening today with Susie, uh, mm. Aga? Well, today Susie is living in her own home. Mm -hmm. uh, she is looking after her home. Mm -hmm. uh, she uh, is highly involved in the community. Mm -hmm. She holds her own micro business mm -hmm. um, um, with a series of vendor mm -hmm. machines she has placed around the community. Mm -hmm. um, she has a huge personal network. Mm -hmm. um, Susie's birthday party or Christmas party is filled with people <laughs> who are 
people from the community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's involved with her neighbors. She cleans her um, complex that she lives in. Mm -hmm. um, so um, she's well established wow. in the community. Wow. What about the supports? Uh, how have the supports um, that inclusion uh, Langley uh, offers to her, how have they changed from those early days where it was one-on-one, -on -one, maybe two-on-one? Yeah, it is still one on one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And it is still not fully funded. Sure. Uh, the association is still bridging mm. the gap in funding. Yeah. That well, that takes commitment in. because uh, you know organizations are under huge pressure to balance their budgets and to and these kinds of situations uh, are are you know seen as financial liabilities yes. from an administrative point of view. Yeah, it comes from the values of the association. Yes. Yes. That yeah. we're gonna make it work. Yeah. Believing in people and committed person. to people. Yeah. yeah. And, and supporting families. Yeah. I think that Dan, right, right from his very first day of meeting the Bailey family, mm -hmm. offered support and commitment. Mm -hmm. And after all these years, he hasn't wavered well, from that. Yeah. That consistency is really, really important. Yeah, Sylvia, can. you want to weigh in on that a little bit? No, I was going to say about Dan too. He attended our weekly meetings, and um, he would say. Do whatever it takes. I'll find the money. Ah, wow. Stuff. Mm -hmm. right. You know, having that kind of support backing. and backing Absolutely. Is, um, is huge. And from the family, too. I mean, they mm -hmm. were so supportive. Yes. They were at the meetings, too. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And we all had to agree on what our yeah. next move was going to yeah. be. I love the pictures yes. in the book that you, you guys <laughs> selected that, uh, you know, really humanized Susie and really uh, you know, highlighted her family yes. and... Yeah. And the things that have evolved for her in the community. That was a really, really a nice touch. I think what we didn't mention in the book was how close she came to all our families. Mm. I mean, she still comes to my house every Thursday for dinner. Okay. Right? <laughs> right? After 23 years, she still phones me every night to say goodnight. Oh, gee, my niece. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And she's been to all of our houses and are involved mm -hmm. with our families. Mm -hmm. And those very early days of bringing her home, was that was the only place she could go yeah. yes. for yeah. a little while. Yeah. And I just want to jump in, too, and say that um, people who worked with Susie, it was so important that they realized that in order to have any kind of success, the minute you walk in that house, you are on red alert mm. the entire time. You have to feel wow. her emotion. You have to feel if she's revving up, you, yeah. and then you can go in wow. at that time mm -hmm. and diffuse it or yes. uh, find another way. And that was the trick, find another, another way. way. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah I, I think, uh, you know, Jane Ann, your, your point is really an important one because, you know, we have a conversation like this and we're talking about Susie in a somewhat abstract way. <laughs> uh, it's hard for a listener to this podcast to sort of get a get a real true picture of Susie's reality. Um, but that's really clear in the book. Mm -hmm. And that's why I really want to recommend, strongly recommend um, the book, I'm the Bob and Kathy's Kid, Emotion, Love, and Fury, um, published by these um, fine folks that I'm with today, Jane, Jane Ann Huff and Betty Ann Batt and Sylvia Dome and Aga Karst. Uh, along with Dr. Trevor Horowitz, who all played a role in pulling this book together. It's available through Friesen Press um, out of Victoria, B.C. And, and if somebody wanted to get the book, 
you know, what's the, you can get on Amazon, can, you can just go to any typical book outlet, right? Yes, yes it can be ordered through mm -hmm. Indigo or Amazon okay. or directly from Prison Press online bookstore. Great, great. And um, so if, if folks wanted to search the book, they would just put in the title, I'm the Bob and Kathy's Kid? Yes. Emotion, Love, and Fury. Yes, there is a, a website already functioning. Uh, I'm the Bob and Kathy's Kid without the apostrophes. Okay. Okay, it's I'm the Bob and Kathy's Kid dot com. com. Okay. So those are ways that you can, you can track this book. But, but I would really encourage, especially folks listening to this podcast that, that are dealing with challenging situations and, and just throwing their hands up, not sure what they could do or what they should do. And oftentimes in those situations, you get so beat up physically and emotionally mm -hmm. that you give up. I think our, our lens when we first started this, and, and certainly because that, that was what, what, I, mm -hmm. what I did, it's <laughs> family support, uh, we wanted this book to provide some strategies for those families yes. who feel like they've hit the wall yes. and they don't, they don't really yeah. know where to go next or what to do next, that we hoped that just by reading of some of the successes mm -hmm. that Susie's staff team had, mm -hmm and how creative they were when they were able to just think outside yeah. the box, that there just may be one little strategy in yeah. that book that maybe helps a family. Right. Um, and that was our, our original yeah. intent. And, yeah. and for staff, too, because um, there are many, right. many staff supporting many people sure. yeah. uh, experiencing challenging behaviors. So we yeah. also were hopeful that yeah. maybe that just might be. Well, you achieved that goal for sure. That... You know, I when when I when I had the manuscript, actually, I I shared it with a couple of my leadership team in my own organization in Pittsburgh. And uh, when you kindly sent me a copy of the book when it came out, it's prominently um, in our agency library, and I'm encouraging uh, our staff to to look at those strategies and to learn because we're making the path as we as we walk it here yeah. with folks like Susie. Um, they deserve to be in the community. They deserve um, the dignity and respect that everyone, you know, wants in community. And what you've done um, by chronicling this story is you've brought hope to organizations that, that are struggling, to families that are struggling. So I want to I thank my guests for this, uh, this podcast. That's Jane Ann Huff and Betty Ann Batt, and Sylvia Dome, and Aga Karst, and Dr. Trevor Horowitz, who wasn't able to be with us in this conversation, but played a critical role in helping to pull together the book, I'm the Bob and Kathy's Kid, Emotion, Love, and Fury, available at Friesen Press. We're also going to put a link up on the Interdependence Network, so uh, folks on our network can have an opportunity to uh, to get to the book, not have to worry about remembering, you know, a website or, or, or a title. Um, I want to thank you guys for your work, your passion, your spirit, uh, for not giving up on Susie, um, and, and, and for not only the kinds of things we learn from a book like this, but from the things that, that can happen for other people uh, down the road. So I'm Al Condalusi. And this is the You Can Call Me Al podcast, uh, sponsored by the Interdependence Network. 
Um, if you, if you um, are engaged by this conversation today, weigh in on our website. If you have any questions, I'll make sure they get to uh, my, my guests uh, today, and we can all learn together. Thanks so much, and look for you in another podcast. Let me just, let me just finish this.